Welcome to the Rocky Messages Podcast. Rocky is a gathering of people that want to know Jesus and love like Him. If you hear something today that you'd like to know more about, you should check out our other podcast, Rocky Unscripted, where we take a topic and through conversation and study, we go a little bit deeper. And right now, let's join today's message. Amen, amen. It's good to see all of you here at Niwad. It's good to have everybody at the Fred Campus joining us, everybody online. Man, I'm, I'm excited about today. I, it's fun to hear you guys worship. You guys got a lot of energy in the room today, and, and I think we're going to need it because I'm going to run into a subject today that I think is going to be a, a big one. I think it'll be one that kind of hits and hits home for us uh, just a little bit. We're wrapping up a series, if you haven't been here, um, called The Talk, and, and we're really just landing at John 13 through 16 where Jesus has a conversation, probably the most important conversation. Like if you think about it, if you're going to have the talk with somebody and like you're going to include the most important things, and what would you include? Well, John 13 through 16 is the last few hours before Jesus is going to be arrested, he's going to be tried, he's going to be crucified, he's going to be buried in a tomb. And so he sits down with his disciples over the Passover meal and he's like, guys, if we're going to have the talk, if I'm going to wrap up like all three years of my ministry with you, here's what I'd say. And so he goes through and he talks about how we love people. He talks about what relationships should look like. He talks about all kinds of things and he wraps it down and he says, guys, here's the deal. When you really follow me, looks at his disciples and says, just lean in. Like if you guys follow my lifestyle, if you keep this thing going, here's the thing, you are not going to fit in. Like you, you will not fit in, you will stand out because you don't fit in. And I think we resonate with that. I think there probably is, is some people around here that no matter, not talking about faith, but just talking about life, you've had moments where you just didn't fit in. And we hate that, don't we? We hate those moments where we stand out as being different from everyone else because we just don't fit in with whether it be culture or whether it be people, we just don't fit in. I remember when I was in eighth grade, I remember moving from Southern California to the Northwest to the Portland, Oregon area. And, and to be honest, when I, when I was in Southern California, I had been pretty sheltered up to that point. It was, we moved in eighth grade, so I was, it was almost a high school. And I grew up, most of you know my background, I'm a pastor's kid. And so I grew up in church from the day I was born. And so honestly, there's a little bit of that Christian bubble that I understand that I grew up in. And, uh, and then to add on to that, when we were in Southern California for five years, I went to a Christian school. So you take the Christian church that I was in along with the Christian school that I was in, there was a lot of things that other kids ran into in the schools they went into or in the community or whatever, I just didn't run into. Like I, I just didn't experience that. I was, I was a little more sheltered culturally. And so when we moved to, from Southern California to Oregon, I immediately went into my local public school, it was middle school at the time, and, and it was just down the street, and I started to run into some stuff that I was like, I just don't actually even know this stuff. And you can imagine all the things that that would be, and your mind might go all kinds of places, but I'm talking about like little things that I just ran into. And, and you know, do you guys ever have those moments? You've had a moment like when you were a kid that happened that just kind of marks you. Like, it's just one of those moments that you're like, wow, I just did not fit in, and it was uncomfortable, and it still to this day has, leaves a little bit of a mark on you. Do you have that moment? Well, I, mine happened the first week of moving into that new school. So I don't remember what class it was, but I remember the lady who was teaching. I remember exactly where I was sitting. Like, it's one of those moments, kind of mark me. I remember exactly where I was sitting in the class, back left side. I was trying to be inconspicuous, sit in the back of the classroom, you know, just kind of fit in with everybody. I'm brand new. And the teacher, I don't know if it was because I was new to the class, she started doing something interactively with the class that's something you would do in like the first week of school, but we're in the second semester and it's like halfway through and why are you doing this? She's going up and down the aisles and she's like, hey guys, I just want us to get to know each other a little better. 
And so I'm just gonna ask some questions and I'll ask like four or five people, I'll call on you. And that is the worst thing to do in a middle school classroom, right? Is to call kids out and they've got to answer something. And, and so they, I'm just, I'm, sweat, I'm starting to sweat. I'm like, oh my goodness, what is she gonna ask? And she starts off and it's simple, easy questions. It's like, what's your favorite food? And I'm like, dude, bring it, call on me right now, right? That's the easiest one. I, barbecue, love barbecue, right? Then she goes on, she asks about some other things and she gets to like sports. I'm like, bring it again. That's my life. I know sports, man. Ask me any sports question. What's your favorite team? What's your favorite player? I'm going to answer that question. She didn't answer, ask me those questions. Guys, she asked me the question. And before I tell you what it is, let me just help you understand how I felt. If you go hiking up in Rocky Mountain National Park and you're hiking up in the mountains and you know those places where it'll be like an overlook and you'll come out and you take pictures and how beautiful it is, but you stand out on the edge and you look down and it's like, 500 feet down. If you're like me, I don't like heights. My stomach just like, ugh, just turns over. I just drops. You know that feeling. That's exactly what I felt in this classroom. She asked a question and it's a cultural question. She's like, okay. And she stops. She looks around. She asks the question and then she points me out and she says, Sean, what's your answer to that? Here was the question. What's your favorite band? And some of you guys are like, what's your problem? You're like, what's your favorite band? I can name 10 bands. I can name the lead singer of the band. I can name all their albums. Guys, I live in my little Christian bubble. And so the bands that I'm like thinking of in my mind is like, if you're like Christian, like background bubble, you get this like striper. Anybody striper here, right? To hell with the devil God, and God we trust. A little, little Christian metal right there. Yeah, that was, that was my deal. But I wasn't going to say that. There's no way I was going to say that, man. I had to fit in. And so I'm just racking my brain. I'm like, I don't know any bands. Like, I don't know what these other kids listen to. I've just moved into this school. And so guys, I just, I said, I said, I racked my brain. I'm like, what's the only thing I've heard? And I had heard of this one band with this one song. Girl, you know what's true. Ooh, 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 I love you, right? You know, Millie Vanilli right there. And dude, exactly what just happened. You know, at the Frederick campus, they just busted up laughing. You guys busted up laughing. All the young people are like, who in the heck are you talking about? Yes. I said Millie Vanilli, and guys, every person in the classroom just busted up laughing. And you can imagine, as a middle school kid, I'm sitting there dying. I'm like, oh, good grief. I'm just sitting in the back trying to fit in. She asked me the question. I tried to fit in. I answered the question. And now everyone is looking at me, and I am sweating, dude. I am turning red because here's what had happened. Like, they won a Grammy. Like, guys, they won a Grammy for their album, but then it came out. What happened? It came out that they lip-synced the whole album. It, it was a fake, the whole deal. And so every kid is like, Millie Vanilli, what are you talking about? Ah! They're laughing at me, and I just realized in the moment, like, I do not fit in. Like, I do not fit in. And I remember the teacher just kind of just calming everybody down, kind of looking a little bit, looking and kind of rolling her eyes. Guys, it's okay, you know. And, and then she's like, Sean, thanks for answering. Quick, next, next question right? Because here's the reality. There's some places that we walk into because we are different. We just don't fit in. And in John 13 through 16, Jesus ends up, it's, it's really interesting. He ends up this whole conversation with his disciples saying, guys, here's how you love. And he talks about it in John 13, he says, you love people like I love people. He reiterates it again in John 15. He talks about the main core of the gospel John 14, verse 6, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. I mean, he just tells them all these different things, but he wraps the conversation with a warning. So guys, here is the thing. If you follow my ways, 
If you love like me, you're just going to stand out as different. You really will. You will stand out as different. And the problem will be is you will not fit in. And what Jesus goes to next is what the disciples did not want to hear, but they knew was coming. What he goes to next, he says, because you stand out so much, because of the style that you live, the lifestyle you live, because you do not fit in, what you will face is persecution. And what the disciples are going to find out really quickly is that everything that Jesus said is a harsh reality was really true. Jesus is saying, hey, they, they per, they're going to persecute me. I, I'm just being really clear with you guys, man. They're going to take me and th- they're going to take me. They're going to kill me. And three days later, I'm going to come back. The disciples didn't even hear that. They're like, you're going to kill you because anything they're going to do to you, they're going to do to us. And Jesus says, yeah, if you're different, you're going to face what I'd call persecution. And the harsh reality is, let's go there for just a second. The harsh reality is that as a Christian, what Jesus says is that if you follow his lifestyle, if you live like Jesus, it will be no different for you and me. That we will face persecution. In John chapter 15, verses 18 through 25, here's what it says. It says, if the world hates you, So Jesus is in this conversation. He's just creating the reality. He said, guys, you just look around. We've seen it already. Like the religious people, the religious leaders, that's going to be important in a little bit. Man, they've hated us. Like our lifestyle has stood out as different and they have persecuted us. They've, They've planned. You've heard the rumors, man. He says, if they've hated, if the world hates you, keep in mind, they didn't hate me first. If you belong to the world, it would love you as as its own, as it is. You do not belong to the world, but I have chosen you out of the world. That's why the world hates you. Remember what I told you. As a, a servant is not greater than his master, if they persecuted me, they will persecute you also. If they obey my teaching, they will also obey yours. They will treat you this way because of my name, for they do not know the one who is sending me. Guys, here's the a, a reality of this whole thing. Jesus looks at his disciples and he says, guys, here's what you need to understand. John 14, 6, I just said it to you. He says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except me. He was stating to the disciples, I'm God. So guys, just understand, I'm God in the flesh. And so here's the deal. You see me do miracles to, to back that up, to prove that. You see me heal people. You see me raise people from the dead. And Jesus is very real with them. He says, if I'm going to be persecuted... Like God, I'm God, I'm perfect. You've seen my power at work in miracles. If I can't get away from persecution, how do you think you're gonna get away from persecution? And disciples will just realize that harsh reality. I already said it, that man, as soon as Jesus is killed, as soon as he does rise from the dead, as soon as he does go up to the Father in heaven, the persecution starts for them. And they're beaten. The book of Acts, the whole beginning of the book of Acts is they preach great sermons and people come to Christ and they're baptized and then they're thrown in jail. (laughs) Like the disciples are thrown in jail. They're, they're put on flogging posts and, and flogged. And ultimately, we know history says later that every one of them, except for Judas, who took his own life, and for John, who was exiled for the rest of his life to an island, every single one of them were martyrs for their faith. See, the harsh reality was that the different kind of lifestyle that they were going to live was going to bring persecution and opposition. Now... Here's a reality of both sides here for a second. There's some of you sitting here today and you're like, I don't think Christians face persecution. Like we don't face persecution. Like maybe opposition, but we don't face persecution. I mean, I mean, think about it. Just real reality here for a second. How many of you have ever been beaten for your faith? Hands, anybody? Frederick, hands, anybody? 
Like how, how many of you have ever been like put on a flogging post and like been whipped for your faith? Anybody? A- anybody been incarcerated for your faith? Now reality is we've got a couple missionaries and some people that work with missionaries in our church that do, that have. That, that's a real reality, but not here. Anybody like ever experienced some starvation for your faith? Any, anybody ever been stoned? Well, well, there's a lot of you maybe that kind of stone, but we're talking about different kind of stone here, right? Like reality is this, and on one side we can say, man, here in our country, we don't face persecution for our faith, but I would be remiss in saying that, man, there was a big event that happened last year, a ter- or last week, a terrible event that happened this last week in Nashville, where a person charged into a Christian school. Three kids, three adults. Now, on one hand, we can say, is there persecution? Yeah, there's a, there was a church school or a Christian school shooting. There, South Carolina, there's a church. I mean, we can go around. There's been things on both sides of that argument. But reality would be for you. And the reality would be for you. And the reality would be for most all of us is you've not experienced physical persecution because of your faith. And so a lot of you are like, I, I, man, I don't, I don't experience persecution by faith. Maybe what we change the word to is opposition. Because I think there, there is opposition that ha- has happened. I mean, the real reality, why don't we experience persecution here in our country in the, in the kinds that we're talking about, about the disciples or things that we see in India, man. We've got some missionaries that we talk to and work with over there. And it is like three or four times a year that they email us and say, uh, yeah, hey, be praying for this because this person is missing. And on our team, they're missing and we don't know what's happening. Guys, a lot of the time, those emails come back that they've lost another person on their team that they've been killed for their faith. We don't experience that here. But there is a side of opposition. And and why don't we experience? Because here's the deal. You think about persecution. Here's one thing that's true about persecution. Persecution isn't just physical. Think about this for a moment. Jesus actually acknowledges that. In the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus speaks and he says this. He says, blessed are you when people insult you. It's verbal persecute you and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad because great is your reward in heaven. In the same way, they persecuted the prophets who were before you. You see, Jesus talks about and uses the word persecution, but he doesn't mention anything physical. He mentions everything verbal. See, persecution doesn't just have to be physical. Man, persecution can include being avoided, being excluded, being rejected, being ridiculed. Maybe even slandered because of your beliefs. Think about it this way. Students, I don't care if you're a student in high school. I don't care if you're a student in middle school. I don't care if you're a student in in college. Think about this. Is there any time that you can remember, you can think about in your life where you're like, yeah, I think I've been excluded from a few things because of my values, because of my faith. Because maybe there's just a little bit different value that I have and lifestyle and things that I want to do and I want to be a part of, things I don't want to be a part of. And without saying anything, like without saying anything, judging anybody, you feel like you've been excluded. Let's say this. How about young ladies? Young ladies, whether you're in high school or whether you're in college or you're a young adult and you look around and you're like, man, I see a whole lot of ladies out there finding guys. But for some reason, because I've set some standards and said, I want to be about this and I want a person who treats me this way and values me, values my body, values what I believe about my body, man, the opportunities just haven't been there as much for me. 
And some of you adults, you're just like, hey, I'll, I'll just be real. Like, how many of you have, have has anybody faced in, in your workplace, maybe, that you weren't be willing to, because of your integrity, because of your values, you weren't willing to be as cutthroat or dishonest as some other people? And they were actually rewarded for being cutthroat and dishonest and getting more business than you were able to get. Now, if they're out working you and they're being honest, you got to really just accept that, excuse me, reality. But if you're working your rear off and somebody else is getting, sometimes there's a reality that there's an opposition there. But some of you family-wise, I can't tell you how many times that, man, people have come into our church. I've seen in ministry throughout the years where they've come in, they've just been like, enthralled with the grace of Jesus and said, man, I need this. I need a life change. And all of a sudden they gave their life to Christ and all of a sudden they're not welcome in their family. Or you've seen friendships that have drifted. As soon as you became a Christian, there was some of those conversations like, you're one of those people now? Oh, wait, 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 you're not gonna go hang out with us on Friday night because you, you're one of those Christian people now? And they've got this just kind of view of what that Christian person really looks like. And there's probably some reasons that we'll talk about later that they've got that view, some things they've run into. But it's changed some relationships. Or even maybe you've got some people in your life that just bring up some stuff or constantly like putting you on the spot and throwing out the big picture issue and trying to get you to talk about that in front of a whole lot of people that they know disagree with you. You see, the reality is when we live a different lifestyle, when we begin to live more like Jesus, when we begin to not fit into the world and maybe stand out a bit, here's what happens is you just don't fit in. And the reality is we may not face physical persecution, but there is a reality that there are places where we face opposition to just what we believe. It happened for the disciples in one way, And it happens for us in other ways. You see, for most Christians, persecution looks like opposition. And and there are few Christians in America that are being beaten for their faith. But there are many Christians that are being treated differently for their faith. Now, I'll just say say a a real reality for me as as a pastor. My, how many times do I turn on the TV and I see pastors depicted in shows and whatever as just the biggest, most ridiculous I don't even know the word to use out there, but so, so sheltered that they can't even be any good to the world. They become the butt of jokes, right? And we're the butt of jokes a lot of times. I mean, just look around at just the picture. Now, there's some reasons, and we'll talk about that in just, just a minute, but there's a real reality that sometimes we don't see physical persecution, but it doesn't may, mean that we don't actually face verbal opposition. Or maybe some opposition of people just kind of pushing away and not wanting to be around us. Now, here's another reality. Here's another reality about persecution, or maybe the word opposition is this. If you don't see it, here's why. Here may be a reason why. If you're no different from the culture, you will not face opposition from the culture. Think about that reality for a second. For a lot of Christians out there might say, man, we don't, we don't face opposition. We don't face, man, we don't face any persecution, but there may be a reality for us, maybe a reality for you as a student that you don't face any opposition because you walk into your school and it's a tough place, man. It's tough to stand out for being different. But there may be a reality that you walk in and you face no opposition because you look no different than the other student in the place. 
There's nothing different about your language. There's nothing different about your dating practices. There's nothing different about your dress. There's nothing different. And I am not talking about being a weird Christian. Just talking about a person who has some values. There may be for you as adults, there may be some real reasons you say, man, I don't face any persecution. And it may be because the reason is, is the one day of the week that you try to live like Jesus and look a little bit different is the day that you come to church and sit here in the seats. And that's culturally acceptable by our society. But there's nothing that goes into you on a Sunday that flows out of you on a Monday or a Tuesday or a Friday or a Saturday that causes your life to look any different than anyone else around you. You see, the problem that we have in Christianity today is that there are a whole lot of Christians out there that we would be what we call, what we would call cultural Christians. That you have a faith that you apply on a Sunday when you come, like when a person comes, a faith that we apply on a Sunday, but then there's a real reality that that faith does nothing to change our lives Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Friday, Saturday. And if you step back into what Jesus called his disciples to do, it, it was not. Guys, it was not. I mean, the real reality with Jesus, Jesus didn't look at the disciples and he said, guys, okay, here's the deal. Here's how we're gonna, here's how we're gonna spread this thing to the world. Here's, here's, how, here's, here's what we're gonna do. I've shared about love, and, and we're just going to go out there and just kind of love people and fit into our culture. Jesus did not use that language. He used language like this. He says, guys, here's the deal. Here's who I am. Here's how you're going to love. It's going to be really different than what the world is doing, and it's going to be hard. It's going to be hard to carry out, okay? But here's what I want you to do. I want you to deny yourself, and I want you to pick up your cross. That's Luke 9, 23. Jesus says that. If you're going to follow me, he uses language like deny yourself and pick up your cross. You know what Jesus, happened to Jesus when he picked up his cross? <laughs> he died. But that's what he was saying. Who's not even speaking of physical death. He was saying, spiritual, I want you to set aside the old way. And I want you to pick up this cross. Sacrifice what your desires is, what the world wants for me. And I want you to lean into this new lifestyle that's going to face some opposition. But here's what it's going to do to so many people. It's going to draw them into the circle. It's going to introduce them to me. It's going to be a different kind. It's going to change marriages. It's going to change families. It's going to change kids. It's going to change the lifestyles. It's going to change communities. It's going to change churches. It's going to change everything if you'll truly devote yourself to this and live by it. But here's the thing. The world doesn't like different. And that's where opposition comes from. See, what Jesus said in verse 19, he said, if you belong to the world, the world would love you as its own. So for a cultural Christian, you just kind of land in, you're like just accepting anything and everything and saying, I'm just all in, I'm just kind of doing my thing and I'll go to church on Sunday whenever I go. The world's like, that's great. That's great. But Jesus goes on in verse 19, he says, but you do not belong to the world. What Jesus was saying to the disciples, he was saying, hey, hey, guys, understand, here's the thing. You belong to the world physically. You live in the world physically, but you do not belong to it spiritually. You are from a different place. And so when you are from a different place, there are some different lifestyles and some different things that roll into this life that cause you to be different. And no matter what culture you're in, you take J Jesus's culture at that time. The reason the disciples faced so much opposition 
was because they were changing the whole religious system of everything that was happening. And so the, uh, the Pharisees and the teachers of the law are saying, no, we're holding on to the 613 laws we see in Leviticus and Deuteronomy. We're doing all these sacrifices. We're doing all this stuff. The temple's the most important thing. We sacrifice lambs. It's a big deal for sin. This is the way you do it. And Jesus is like, no, no, no. I'm the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. I will be sacrificed. My blood will be shed. And then what we do is we take those 613 laws and all those history books and we say, man, this, is, this shows us where we come from. I think about this, guys. If I were to stand up here and be like, hey, hey, uh, you know, there's 613 laws in the Old Testament, and I want you to live by all those guys, tattoos, uh-uh. So that first service, and a guy down front was like, I'm out, I'm out, right? There's so many things. That was set for a different group of people in a different culture, but it shows the history of where we come from. They were persecuted because Jesus says, that's not going anymore. I've given you one rule. One rule is this, in John 13, verse 34, he says, love one another as I have loved you. As I have loved you, you must love one another. Then he repeats it in John 15, right before he wraps up this whole thing. He says, you're gonna be different because of this. He says, love one another as I have loved you. That's the one command. The one truth was in John 14, verse six. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. That's why these guys were being persecuted because they were changing that whole thing. And in that day, what did they do with persecuted people? They, they killed them. They crucified them. In our day, there's just a little different thing that happens. There's some opposition. There's some silencing. There's some avoiding. There's some talking about the, those kind of things happen. But the reality is this. If you look no different than the world, you won't face any opposition from the world. But what Jesus has called us to is this life that is not of the world. It's in the world but it's not of the world. And so what Jesus has asked you to do and you to do and you and me and, and all of you at the Frederick campus, everybody watching online, what he's asked us to do is he's asked us to actually stand out. We don't fit in. We will naturally not fit in if we are trying to follow Jesus, following his truth and following his grace and following his love. We will naturally not fit in. We stand out. And so the big question becomes, not even the persecution question, not even the opposition question. The question comes with, with the thing that actually leads to that. Like, how do we stand out? Like, here's, here's in our day what persecution and opposition comes from a little bit, is you realize that when you live a different style, lifestyle like Jesus, it would automatically de determine a decision for the people you're around. Like without saying a word, without judging, without acting weird, without doing anything different, man, a Christian person, a person who literally follows Jesus' ways and tries to pattern their life after and pattern everything about their life after Jesus, the way they treat their body, the way they honor others, the way they date, the way they, all the different things, the way they talk, it demands a decision from a person who's not a follower of Jesus. Because some people will say, they'll look at that circle and they'll want to step inside of that circle and say, I want to be there with you. I, I want that kind of lifestyle. It's a healthy lifestyle. But there will be others because of their values are different. And maybe even they feel without you judging them at all, your values, without saying a word, call out their values as maybe not as healthy. And so instead of just being curious and what, what they do is they push away, they oppose, they say things to call you out to, 
because they're not comfortable with themselves. You see, that's where persecution comes from. And so the reality is this, is if that's the reality of where, what we face, we've got to ask the question, so how does Jesus actually want us to stand out? Because if we're going to stand out, we better be doing it the right way. And here's where the rubber meets the road. Because I think there's a lot of Christians that aren't standing out in the way that Jesus asked them to stand out. Here's what I mean. When I was younger, I mentioned, just gave the background, kind of grew up in a little Christian bubble. I'd, I had a great family. I really did. My, my parents, healthy relationship. I had great relationship with my, my sister and, and my parents. And, and, and it was, I understood about God and about his grace and about his love and, and all that. But because I probably grew up in this spot of, of being a little sheltered, I grabbed on to some of those things we talked about earlier, kind of the more rule-based stuff. I don't put it, I'm not putting any of that on my parents. What I'm putting that on is I, it was more my personality being an achiever. You tell me what the rules are. I'm going to go after those things. And I kind of applied that to my faith. And I began to be the guy who looked at all the rules and what everything, what I thought the Bible said about every issue, about politics, the big issues, you know what they are, about theology, about all those things. Grew up and went to Bible college, Right got educated in some of that theology, educated in scripture. And what I began to find is that part of my life began to become using scripture as a weapon to try to, weaponizing that against other people to try to get them to believe something that I believed. So when it came to issues, man, I was more apt to get into an argument and quote five or six verses on that argument and give my argument about why we should be this way and why, should, why you shouldn't believe that or why you should be a part of this party or not. And what happened was I began to become a person who highlighted more of what the differences were between me and people who weren't people of faith than what the commonalities were. And you guys have seen that before. Man, by God's grace, I actually went to a college, and I've told this story before, I won't go there, but I went to a college that, that was way more conservative than I was and had a section of that school, and I ran into people that started calling me out and looking at me and saying, man, you're this and you're that, and you're not in with God because you don't believe these things. And I remember going home to my wife and going, what? And I remember her looking at me and saying, I've been trying to tell you for a long time that you're kind of harsh like that. And I looked in the mirror and I began to see people that were focusing more on what our differences were than what our commonalities were. You want to know what a life is that will stand out? How, how about we start talking about what a life is that doesn't stand out or stands out for the wrong reasons? You know, life that stands out for the wrong reasons, as Jesus would say, it probably look at us and say, hey, you're being more like the Pharisees than you're being like me and my disciples. That kind of life is the one that tries to argue everybody to your standpoint in Christianity. You will never argue someone to your place in faith. Jesus say, hey, here's the wrong way to stand out. Man, don't go post every political view that you have on social media um, and just be angry about it with everybody and hope it's gonna change somebody's mind. That's a bad way to stand out. He would say to some of us with our families and say, man, now that you've become a Christian, you got some people in your family that believe differently on some issues. A bad way to stand out is to send them 32 articles over the next 47 days of why they should change their mind. It ain't happening. And it may be the reason why you're not hanging out with that family very much. Some of you are going like, yeah, preach it. Some of you are going, oof, I've been there. And when we push people away and we highlight people's differences, 
And here's what happens. People begin to push back on us. And here's the reality. I actually looked up. I actually looked up the definition of persecution. Give me just one second. I just did this about 30 minutes ago. You're like, you preached longer than 30 minutes. So uh, actually, um, oh, guys, I'm not finding it. But guys, it, it was persecution on, oh, oh, shoot, I'm sorry. I missed it. Guys, persecution, when you look at the definition of persecution, you can't tell the difference between secular people and religious people and what they're doing half the time. And guys, here's, here's the big thing about this. If you look back through Christian history, if you look back through church history, you see a lot of places where Christians are persecuted. But the other thing that you have to see and we have to just acknowledge like we have to acknowledge in so many different areas, there's a lot of times where Christians were doing the persecuting. And if I step back into my life and earlier before just understanding like, here's how you stand out for being a person of faith, I would say there's a lot of times where I was highlighting the differences in other people instead of highlighting the commonalities and trying to be about what I was for, not what I was against. And I think I was doing more persecuting than loving. You wanna know what a standout life is. Jesus looked at his, his disciples and he said, guys, here's what a standout life looks like. I'll give you one command to, to wrap it all up. He says, you go love people like I loved people. Here's what Jesus did not say. He didn't go say, hey, you go affirm every idea and every opinion that's out there. He didn't, he didn't, say, he didn't say go out there and you value everybody's opinion. He said, you go out there and you show value to every single person. You show value to who people are because people have value. You know what a standout life looks like? A standout life looks like this. It looks like people who are willing to go love people and befriend people that have different opinions than they do. Because those people have value, whether they have value to you or not, they have value to God. I saw a definition of greatness this last week. It said, it said, expending our lives, inconveniencing ourselves in the service of other people. I would add on to that, inconveniencing ourselves in the service of other people that we don't even agree with. And that's the way Jesus would love people. You wanna know a life that would stand out? A life that would stand out would be a life that teaches our kids to do that. It teaches our kids to value the things that we affirm in faith and that Jesus has talked about, about, about all the different values that he says, this is what family looks like. And this is what life looks like. And this is, this is, these are critical things. But to value people enough to not highlight our differences, but to highlight what we're for and where we can find some commonality. Because when you find commonality with people, you begin to develop relationship. And when you develop a relationship with people, what happens is those people begin to look back at you and they're, they're like, man, I, I want a little bit more of this relationship. I know we don't agree on some things, which is really, really weird, but I, I like this commonality thing. And Jesus found commonality with everybody. You don't want to be a life that stands out because if you're going to live that kind of lifestyle, you, you got to have some people that back you up, that teach you, that encourage you, that holds you accountable. You don't want to be a life that stand out in our culture today. It would be a life that commits to being here. 
to connecting with the church and coming and getting re-disfueled and, and encouraged and held accountable, not just in these services, but in small groups and, and connecting with people. Get your kids in that stuff. So when you go out into the world and you connect with other people, you got a place to come back to that you fit, you belong. Man, that, that stand out in our culture today because the average Christian goes one hour every six Sundays. You, you know what stand out in our culture today is if there was a group of people that would say, I believe in this so much that I'm going to commit my time, but I'm going to commit my resources to you. Like, I, I'm going to commit. I'm going to tithe. I'm going I'm to actually give to what's going on with students and kids and missions and in our local community and all the things that Rocky's doing. You heard some stories about that today from our campus pastors. Like, I'm going to commit to that, and I'm going to give 10%. The world will you that. What? Dude, that's weird. You're going to give 10 You know what you can do with that 10%? Why are you going to give that 10%? Jesus would say, you know what you could do with 90% and a heart that's fully invested in, in me and what I could do with that? You know what would stand out is if we just became a church that walked out of these doors and went wherever we go to your business, man, to go, go to your school, man, to go, go to your sports teams, to go to all those different places. What would really stand out if we walked out of this place and we didn't just walk around looking at differences, but we walked around and valuing people, I don't think there'd be an empty seat in the place. I think we blow the doors off this church, blow the doors off of the Frederick campus, the Niwak campus. We'd be looking for other seats and other opportunities because, but people out there have this picture that Christians, because they've had a lot of experiences feeling persecuted by Christians, that they say, man, those Christians, they're always pointing out differences. That's what I love about this place. We don't go after differences. We go after Jesus. And sure, there are some things that we look at and we say, hey, we, we don't affirm those things, but here's what we do. We value every person. And you are gonna come to this place. You can belong. You can even belong before you actually believe what we believe because we believe what we believe in is something you've never experienced before and you need. Guys, I think, I know that if we were the kind of church that walks out of this place and didn't focus on differences, but focused on people, we would have the results and we would see some things like Jesus saw and his disciples saw where it changed the culture. So for you, what do you stand out for? Do you stand out in the right ways? Or are you standing out in the wrong ways and there's some simple adjustments that need to be made where you just need to step back and say, what does this really look like to know Jesus and love like him? And I'm going to focus on that. Here's what I'm going to do. Wrap up. I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to pray for us. And man, we got a great opportunity next week. we got Easter coming. And I'm going to let our campus pastors just take just a couple minutes real quick, tell you some information about that that's important at both campuses. And then we're going to get out of this place and we're just going to go love people and invite them back to experience Jesus' love. Let's pray. Father, realize that our world is a crazy place. But I think you just bring so much purpose and so much understanding and so much clarity into the room when we focus on you. We stop focusing on all the differences, and there are differences, but we just start focusing on valuing people. God, help us to be a church that does that. Help us to be families that do that. Help us to have some conversations this week about what does that look like? Would you agree with today? Would you disagree with today? But help the focus to always be coming back to you. Do we just look a little bit more like Jesus every single day? So God, Easter's coming. Pray you'll put somebody on everybody's heart that we invite to come to this place. It's in Jesus' name that we pray.